0: we talk music is on the air and in your ear and once again i am martin and i got with me the king of the casters is mr brett podcast and brett today we join are joined by a couple of gentlemen who uh fly the flag of metal proudly and have been doing so for a long time and it's a real pleasure
1: That's right. Uh, We got some
0: OGs of
1: heavy metal on with us right now. They play in a band called The Broads, who we've been listening to, I know, for quite a long time now. And uh, so we're lucky to have David Rock Feinstein and Carl Kennedy in in the house. And uh, guys, how are you? Doing great. Bravo. 45 years right
2: after uh, the first. It'll be our 45th anniversary.
1: Yeah, that is amazing. That is uh, truly amazing. Truly something to be and proud of.
2: I just want to say
1: something. When you announce David, it's David Rock Feinstein and Carl
2: Kennedy. It's just my name just seems to fall off. I'm going to have to get a cool middle name like, like Rock
1: has. That's right. Uh, <laughs> something with, uh, oh, maybe like
0: Crusher or something like that. Crusher. <laughs> I like that. Crusher is good. I was thinking Crash, but I like Crusher a lot. <laughs> Something
1: that uh, you know, at least you know, because at least you got the drums going on, so the crash certainly works as well. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I like it. (laughs) So, anyways, you guys have are just about to release a new album called "Rattle the Cage" in uh, in early 2024 for your 45th. Um, How did "Rattle the Cage" come about?
2: So the way it came out was we uh, came about was David started writing some songs and they were killer tracks, and we started recording and. uh, you know, down the line, we just uh, we're accumulating these really great tracks. We, in fact, still have tracks that we're working on already for the next album. David's been a writing machine. I sent David some lyrics for "Rattle the Cage" and "Shockwave," and he blew them up into this. I think "Rattle the Cage" is literally one of the best Rod songs that uh, he's written since "Crank It Up." So. It's just he's been writing great stuff and continues to do so. And I've got my guitar out again, and I'm starting to work on some riffs. And Freddie has riffs as well. And uh, Freddie contributed to this this album as well. So, you know, it's a good, we're really in a good place right now. The addition of Freddie has been very, very uh, crucial to the band moving forward in a very positive way. I'll just, uh, for David, until he gets it unmuted, I'll just speak for him. Carl is such a great guy. You know, he's so great to work with. He's a phenomenal drummer. You know, he writes great songs. He contributes. He's just like one of the best guys. Forty-five years—it's been heaven. All forty-five years working with him, he's never prickly or a bastard. Um, he's just just a wonderful guy. I've never been upset with him, and uh, so I'm just you know speaking for him. That's what he would say if he is were unmuted. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he would describe you, isn't it? That's how he would describe me. Probably more flowery and much kinder, but um, you know, I don't want to. Can you hear me? Oh, there we
0: go. There we go. Back, David Rock, Weinstein. Um, but is that is this kind of how it usually works then? Uh, you know, Carl, you come up with some lyrics and and uh, you know, David does the music, or does it is there no no one way that the rod's right? There is no one way, but but really, it since.
2: Like Brotherhood of Metal, I sent him some lyrics for Brotherhood of Metal, and he blew that in, up into a great song. Um, I didn't write any of the music on that song, and no, it's not. David's been writing all the material, as I said, he's been cranking it up, uh, cranking out great songs. I contributed a little bit to sh- Rattle the Cage, some lyrics for that and for Shockwave. But all the music's his, and he continues to be extremely po- prolific, and more so than ever, because the uh it's a much more mature way of writing for him. And it's just, it's been great. Fantastic. He's, he's on a roll and uh, it's continuing a lot of material coming and already have some, like I said, for the next album. So
0: it's a phase two. This uh, explosion of creativity that you're experiencing, David, what do you attribute that to? Uh,
4: I don't know. You know, like after the pandemic is when we started thinking about, you know, going on with the band after after gary left and um it was kind of a, a just kind of a jolt you know because we we're in a in a, in a time when you really couldn't do anything you know you couldn't go out you couldn't associate or anything so kind of kind of locked into like you know recording and it and i think the things that were going on in the world uh, um really affected my writing because you know in the past. In the early days, a lot of the songs were written about, you know, rock and roll and partying and, you know, girls and the the whole thing. Whereas now, um, you know, the band has matured, you know, and I think the music now, you know, because of this new writing, the new thing that I've gotten into about writing is I want my I want my songs to to have some kind of meaning to them. You know, I just don't want to write songs with words that rhyme. Um, You know, the fact that, you know, I've really taken into, um, you know, listening to a lot of Ronnie's material, like all through the years. But after he died, you know, there was there was more to listening to what he was uh, representing and what he was saying in his in his songs and his lyrics, because, you know, he was saying something, you know, he was sending a message uh, in every song that he wrote. And I just kind of like wanted to carry that, you know, I wanted to do that instead of just writing about, um, about nothing really, you know, I mean, you can, you can put a song together pretty easily if you're not really telling a story or having some kind of meaning to it behind it. So I think they had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, the band has matured now. Um, new bass player Freddie has like been a shot in the arm for us, you know, because, He's not only been a fan, he's known about us for a long time. He's a great guy. He's a big asset to the band. He's, you know, there's nothing I can say negative about his playing his, as a person or whatever. You know, he fits perfectly in the band. Him and Carl, you know, lock in together with the bass and drums. And it's just been uh, an inspiration for me to really make something. you know, the band is
0: better. You talk about the maturing of the band. How do you look back on some of the songs, you know, when you're singing about, you know, Hot to Trot and these different things? And are you, uh, you know, are you still proud of those songs? Or do you think, no. you know, we
4: always feel better? Or what's kind of your there's, feeling on there, something like that? There's songs for me that I'm in, I'm embarrassed of, really. Um, Same for and me. Then, and there's some, and then some good songs, too, you know. There's some good songs. There's some songs that I'm embarrassed about. And then there's some songs that really are just nothing songs you know they're just like filler to me they're like filler music you know for an album so you know i can look back and say yeah i'm proud of some of the songs but i'm also ashamed of some of the songs too
2: i think i think it's just when you look at it and you you know it's a timeline so you look at what was happening at the time and you in that context there are songs there are songs I've written that I think, oh man, why did I write that? But there are also songs that captured that whole early metal spirit that was going on, and and mm-hmm. uh, and to this day still happens. But so I'm proud of those songs. But they are would I write them today? No, I wouldn't. But I think songs like Too Hot to Stop, they're still great songs. They're great rock and roll songs. So to me, there's nothing to be ashamed of, and no, something don't. to be proud of. But there are yeah. songs that I've written where I'm just like lyrically. <laughs> And also, like David said, you know, sometimes musically, they're just they're not as strong as I would have liked them. I would have wanted to craft craft them a little bit uh, with a little more thought and a little more depth. But, you know, looking back on the catalog, I'm not going to diss it. I think there are a lot of songs that the fans love that I think are great rock songs and metal songs.
4: No, there are, you know, especially like the early the early album, you know, Crank It Up and Power Lover. And that was. You know that was the whole start yeah. of that new wave of heavy metal you know so it kind of did fit the era fit the time you know we fit right into that and the songs fit into that you know so it was great and like carl said it's the it's the times you know i mean that's a lot of years ago and things are different now and it's like because the band has matured you know we need to have you know music that's heavy that that represents the band but but more meaningful I guess that's just the same. Yeah. Choice. I mean, I, you got to remember that I was six when I joined the band.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. I was three. <laughs> which which <laughs> makes this all the more impressive. You know? <laughs> right.
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things we hear it all the time with, with bands who say to us, you know, we're trying to top our first album still. You know, and, mm-hmm. and because if you have your whole life up to that point to write your first album, and after that you have you know two or three years to write every one after, you know. Yeah, and, and that's... Look at your first album. I think it's a masterpiece. You know, Music Man <laughs> is like my favorite. That's awesome. And yeah, I love that song amazing. too. You know, I I just think if if it's if it satisfies the
4: fans, it's a good album. If it makes that's them right. happy, it's a good album. That's true. Right. Because I, what you think. Well, what, what the musician, what you know, we might think, or anybody in the band might think that this is a really a, a lousy song. You know, let's not even do this song. I mean, it turns out to be the favorite song of somebody else. So like, we've run into that where we've been we played live shows and somebody said, "Oh, can, you know, are you going to play such and such?" And like, you know, we just look at each other and like, go, "Oh my god, we never thought we'd ever play that song live." You know, and now that <laughs> song, that song is like this person's favorite song. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you you never know. I mean, um, when you when you look at the when you if you've seen Ronnie's documentary, you can see where he wanted to cut the tape up of what was it? Rainbow in the Dark or something or or one of those songs, one of the biggest songs. He hated the song. He didn't want it to come out. And they had to actually hold him back from cutting up the tape. And and later on, you know, he would thank them, of course, for not letting him do it. But. You know, you never you never know what someone's going to like or how it's going to how it's going to affect them uh, lyrically, you know, because they may hear something in that in that lyric of that song that relates to their life, you know, and and that's what makes them attracted to that song.
2: Plus, I think it's I think when you focus in and judge it like a. Like we're saying, you know, there's some songs that maybe we wouldn't have written, or we may have spent more time writing. But I think you have to look at the band's body of work, 45 years. And I think this new album is, like Rattle the Cage, is really in a, a direct connection to the first album. And I think that's the important piece that the band hasn't sold out. We're doing the same thing we did 45 years ago. Hopefully we believe better and more mature and the writing has improved. But it's the same band, and it's if you like the first album, and then you picked up Rattle the Cage, which is 45 years later, chances are good you're going to go, wow, these guys are heavier, the material's a little more mature, a little darker, still same band. So, I mean, that's how I view the material, is that it's been a growth, which is what it should be. But I think the yeah. new material is killer.
4: Yeah, I'm... Uh... Is it... No. Oh, go, I'm ahead. Sorry. go ahead, David. <laughs> No, I you know like in in the past, you know I've really never been that excited or energetic to you know play one of our new albums for someone. You know, I mean I always liked it and I thought oh this is great this is our new album, but with this album you know I'm eager uh, to play it for people. I mean I'm eager to to see what their response is because it's it's it really has captured the sound and the energy of the band along with the maturity of the music and everything like that. So, uh this is really the first album in a long time that I re- I really felt good about. Hey, you know, like uh come on listen to this, you know. My my cousin was in the other day from for from California, you know. He's a musician and everything and I played like three songs for him and he he loved it, you know. And I was proud to play that for him, you know. So it's been a while since I've been proud to play one of our new albums for somebody. This, this album has oh sorry go ahead this album is you know there's something to me is something special it really is something special about it
2: i think for us all the all the years like we've had a really great album like wild dogs but we had a shitty engineer and mix and so we had great songs and yet it didn't really project the band it's not exactly what the band sounded like with this a lot of elements came into play and it seemed like uh, it was just came to fruition that we had Chris Collier doing the mix, who's phenomenal, who understands the band as well, and is also a top top mix engineer. Um, Freddie joining the band, Freddie joining the band, not just for <clears throat> excuse me what he brings to it creatively, but he and I became a really powerful rhythm section, and his, his the whole vibe of what he brought to the band elevated the band. So it's a lot of elements that came into play. And David's songwriting and a different approach to it, and it all came together and hence rattled the cage. And, and it's just uh, fortunate for us that they all, all these elements came into play for this album, and that's why we're proud of it.
1: Well, there's no question. I mean, like when you talk about even just the start of the album, Now and Forever, and then Wolves at the Door to Cry Out Loud, I mean, those are some those are three like great songs right off the bat. And then we get to rattle the cage, which is, you know, like you say, just an awesome, an awesome single. So, I mean, you know, it, it's definitely a strong, strong album for you guys. So I think it's
4: great. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, in, in being the musicians that are recording the song or the writer of the song, you know, we kind of, you know, get used to the songs. And so um, when when it came to, like, sequencing, you know, this, the songs that we chose for the album, you know, we all kind of, like, had a little different idea. Well, maybe we should start with this, and maybe we should start with that, start with that. So Freddie, being the new guy, was kind of like, like outsider, almost, like, because Carl and I had been together so many years. And here's a new guy. So Carl and I said, let's let the new guy sequence the album, you know? And Freddie was the one that sequenced this album, and we went along with it. We didn't we didn't balk at any of the you didn't know, question any of the selections that he made, and he did a great job sequencing, you know. But it was a little mm-hmm. bit different. It was a little bit different view, and a little bit different ideas um, that he had about the sequencing. But he was right about it. Yeah, it was
2: and a fresh was, take, well. and it was it was good. Yeah. He wasn't as was good tight to it as we were.
0: Mm-hmm that no. Nobody, there... nobody will ever accuse. Sorry, nobody ever will accuse the rods of not being a heavy metal band. But like you, you mentioned, you're, it's a little bit heavier, a little bit darker. Is that that is probably just a byproduct of the fact that you are more mature and older, and the and the trying to say something
4: more. Is it? Yeah, I think that I don't really I don't really look at us as a heavy metal band. You know, I look at us as a, as a as a hard rock band, maybe. I mean, th- th- there's so many different variations of what you can call heavy metal, you know? So in, in some eyes, yeah, we can be heavy metal because we play loud and fast and, you know, we'd all listen to that. But really, you know, when you listen to some of the, you know, the, some of the heavy metal, the different genres of heavy metal, we don't, we don't we're nothing like that, you know? So if we're going to be heavy metal, we're going to be this kind of heavy metal. But I think that we're more like, just a hard rock, you know, a hard rock band, you know, um, you can, you can hear the songs. They have melodies, you know, they have choruses, they have verses, they're structured more like the old school, you know, back in the day when Deep Purple and Rainbow and, you know, all those bands, the music was different then, then, and, and that's what, that's what this music is. And that's all probably only because that's, that's the way I grew up. You know, I grew up in that era of what the music was that's that's the way I'm gonna write uh because that's what's in me you know to come that comes out so um yeah I see I, us
2: you know. I see us as a classic metal band and the you know the new wave of British heavy metal just the like the early days of that the classic heavy metal which is where I feel we fall now and your classic heavy metal came out of those bands like deep purple even blue cheer that's what it came mm-hmm. out of and then it became heavy metal and then Bon Jovi became heavy metal and uh, you know it's I think we're a classic metal band from the 80s I think that's a good description of us
1: yeah yeah, I mean and it's so interesting. It's it's very true. And and one of the things that that I've loved about you guys for years is that sense of melody because when when I go and listen to the albums, I mean, there, it's it's one thing to listen to to a band where where all you hear is just, you know, straight rock and I mean, that's great, but when you when you get the melody in there in your choruses, I mean, that separated you guys from a lot of the other bands that that we would probably call your contemporaries of the day.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I true. Think that- yeah, back in the day, uh, you know, all three of us should just sing the harmonies and, and the choruses and stuff like that, and we more recorded. Um, and, you know, we don't do that 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 much nowadays when we play, but there's still two people at the microphone, you know. And, you know, the choruses are never going to sound as, as full as they do on the record, you know, because of the tracks that you're going to put on the record to make them sound really big. But... Um, yeah you know it's gotta be to me I like the structure of a story um a, a great beat, a great feel, a great sound of the all the instruments, um lyrically, you know, some kind of meaning to the lyrics that'll either make you feel sad or happy or some kind of feeling and uh and a structure to the song where it's like you know verses, pre choruses choruses, you know, solos, you know, that kind of thing. So, but that's just the way I, you know, started from the beginning, you know, and and that's just the way I, I hear things.
0: We talk to people, some people, they have a, a very um, almost mathematical, you know, structure to how they put their songs together. They're, and other people who are just more instinctual, who let it just come to them and whatever it is, they they refine it afterwards, but they just let it come to them. Which way would you kind of describe yourselves?
4: Well, for me, and I, I Carl's a songwriter too, but for me, um, I kind of like to to structure. You know, I, I you know it doesn't always come together totally. You know, as a, as a structured thing, sometimes the song will come together lyrically and 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 musically, but then it has to be. Put together in a way that there's some kind of structure to the whole thing. You know, intro, um, first verse, um, you know, pre chorus, chorus, maybe an instrumental. There might be the, like a little interlude of some crazy off the wall, you know, <laughs> instrumental part that comes in and, uh, then, and then maybe a, either guitar solo or some kind of instrument solo. And then, but yeah, I'd say my songs, you know, are, are pretty well you know, or based on a, on a, on a certain structure, you know. I, I just don't let things go because it's just me. I don't know where, um, if, if I just let things go, I don't know where it would end up. Some kind of, like, resolve at the end of something, you know. It's hard to explain, but... Um, but I would say that I I write mostly on a structured. I try to structure things because I can get a song. This last song I've been working. I've been working on a song, the recent, most recent one, and um, and I haven't put it down on anything except for my phone right now. So I'm hoping to get to the studio. But um, I had the song pretty much completed. But it took me a while to actually put it together in a in a way that a kind of made sense with with some kind of structured to it so uh yeah for me it's structured and for me i don't i
2: used to try to write, sorry go ahead no, go ahead go ahead no no please go ahead for me when I'm, when I'm writing songs i don't i have an idea an outline but a lot of times i i used to write it like, oh, we need a song that is for the middle of the set or a song for an ending, or we need a song for the beginning of the set. And I would kind of write thinking, OK, this is what we need, the kind of energy we need for that. And anymore. And I, I don't do that. I write, I let it go where it goes. And then if it works, it works. And If it doesn't, that, that's fine. But I don't try to, to rein it in and, uh, you know, I just let it go. And And of course, you structure it, but I don't try to set out with any rules. I just sort of let it go. And so that's how I approach it. And sometimes lyrics first.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's see. What's the first song you wrote for, you know, the new album? Is it January 12th? The Rattle of the Cage is dropping? 19th. I know there's a
2: the date. The 12th is out there, but it's the 19th. I don't know where the ni- the 12th came. According to Massacre, it's January 12th.
0: The, what's the first song you wrote for the album?
4: I think, um, you know, it's been a while, but, I think the first couple of songs when Carl sent me over a title, um, the title of um, uh, "Rattle the Cage," which oh, it's a great title, you know. And and he, and he sent some lyric ideas and all this stuff back. And I said, okay, I think this is going to be pretty easy, and you know, i put together. So I have to try to find like, um, you know, how am I gonna how am I gonna use like "Rattle the Cage" as the main. You know, feature in this song because it's the title and putting it together. So that, that one was pretty, pretty easy. And that was one, I think that was one of the first ones. Now, Shockwave, Carl did the same thing. And and he sent me this uh, title, Shockwave, with some, you know, lyrical. And I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to write a song about Shockwave? You know, to me, it was like, it was very difficult because I couldn't, I, I didn't know where to go with it, you know? Um, I, I didn't know what, what, uh, what kind of lyrics, you know, what kind of, you know, thing. It was really a stump for stumper for me, you know, I mean, managed to pull it off. I think the song came out pretty good, but, um, it's, it's a different song. It's got a great title, you know, and it actually came out pretty good. Um, and I think it was a kind of a workout for Carl to play <laughs> the
2: drummer. You know? no, it's a but, cool, it's a cool track. It's, you know, it's a rocker. Yeah. That's all it's a barn burner.
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna get inspired by him. Mean, you're not gonna start crying or laughing or anything. You know, there's not gonna be any inspiration there. But it's just a rocker. You know, it's good. But I think those two are the first two were the first two songs. Unless I had a couple other songs that I can't really remember right now um, that I had written from before. But those two are definitely the early ones.
1: Well, it's interesting, Carl, because, I mean, of course, I see you playing around with your drumsticks there and you talk about uh, talking about it being a barn burner. And uh, and so like when it comes down to playing the drums on these tracks, I mean, that's one thing about the drums is that they're so very much in the mix and they sound awesome. Like how important is it to you to kind of bring the drums to the forefront?
2: Um. well, I mean, you know, I have this plaque I had Eric Philippe make for me, which says. To the band members, if you think I'm going to play a fill, if I if I play a fill, you should stop playing. And also, if you think I'm going to play a fill, you should stop playing. So I think that kind of sums up my attitude toward where my drum should be in the mix. But uh, no, I, you know, as the years have gone by, I've always tried to play because I think as a producer and as a songwriter, you're thinking about the song. So just like David, when he writes, he writes drum parts. He writes holes for me, places for the drums. You know, him being a drummer when he started, he definitely brings that to his songwriting. But but for me, I more and more and have tried from the beginning, I want my fills to be memorable fills. You know, I remember learning to play drums and Ringo would play an opening fill that was very simple, but very memorable and perfect for the song. That's what I try to bring to it, something that is a hook to the material. So, of course, I want my drums to be heard, but but I also want my parts to be memorable and add to the musicality of the song, which most of the time yeah. I fail at. Yeah.
4: Know, but <laughs> no, I try. It's, <laughs> fun, it, it's, it's funny um, that we're talking about this drum fills because I I, I I plan on mentioning this to Carl when I see him next time. But <clears throat> you know, I've been listening to the album, you know, and I listened to yesterday, a friend of my cousin actually came in from LA and I played. And like Carl said, I did start out on drums. And, and um, so I'm very conscious about leaving spots where I know there's going to be drum fills. And I know, and I've always, from the beginning, being a three piece band, we have to have our, you know, we have an identity, you know, like Carl has an identity in his playing You know, I I think that I have an identifiable style and sound in all the recordings. So, when I listen to these recordings now uh, again and again, because once once they're recorded and you know we they set them aside to go get mixes, you know I don't want to hear them anymore until you know we listen into the mixes. But I listen to these songs and (laughs) the where Carl has drum done drum fills, you know, and it's like those aren't the fills I would have played. First of all, I couldn't play them. And secondly, they're brilliant, they're brilliant drum fills because I don't think anybody else would play those drum fills in those parts. And that is all part of, you know, Carl's identity being known. It's like when you hear a break and, and, uh, and, and you hear that drum fill that he's playing, you can tell, you know, that it's him playing it, you know, because that's what he would play. You know, uh, you know, I might play something that goes, you know, and, but he's playing these, these fills that, you know, like, unless you're somebody that can count, you know, they're almost impossible to count, you know, as to like, what is he actually doing? So it, it is really impressive, you know, and it is great to have that because it's different and, um, you know, it's identifiable and that shows off his style of playing, which is important. You know,
2: well, thank you, David. And <clears throat> I didn't want to give out my yeah. secret, but yeah, I'll cast these, catch these the guys tomorrow, yeah, no, please do <laughs> these These guys seem really cool, so I'm going to give up my secret, and that is and this came from from Rob Hunter, who gave me this tip, and that is that I get grapefruits in a crate, and then I when it comes to the break, I'll record it, and I'll dump the grapefruit crate onto the drums. So they'll bounce all over, and that is what I'm going to use as my fill for that song. So that's the that's the key element to the uh, to the fills. Case of grapefruit dumped down of the truck. He must go through a lot of grapefruits. I pick them up and use them again, but I don't know what he does.
0: All of a sudden, I feel like I have the skills to be a drummer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At least the skill to be the type of drummer I am.
3: <laughs>
1: now, Carl, one more thing. I doubt thing. that it's, very much. When, when you talk, you talk about working with Freddie and stuff, and and just getting into the, you know, just just getting into the pocket with him. Like, how has he assisted you in the drums then, especially on this album? Well.
2: With Gary in the band, and Gary was phenomenal live, but when it came to recording, Gary was very basic. He wasn't creative in terms of uh, wanting to work out rhythm sections. Freddie and I work out parts. We work out rhythm ideas. If Freddie has a bass line, I'll pattern my groove to that. If I have a drum part and he hears it, he'll pattern his bass groove to that. And we work out little fill ideas. Or if I'm playing a fill, he'll hop on that fill and add something musical to it. Plus, Freddie brings... Gary was a very mid-range bass player. And so there was not live on stage as the bass was huge and loud and low end. <clears throat> Excuse me, but when we recorded, it was very thin for the most part. It was hard to get that low end. Whereas Freddie comes in with a very deep bass. He's like Geezer Butler, big geezer butler disciple. So he's got the high end and he's got the super low end, and it's punchy. So when we lock into a groove, it's just great. And when Freddie plays something, so What's happened is we've just really kept laser focusing on you know like I call us the thunder twins because we just focus on making that rhythm section excuse me really solid, so that's been a that's been huge for me because it's a joy. I haven't had that for years, I've been fighting and pushing for it, and Gary was very reluctant to do any kind of work on fills or ideas of working out parts, and Freddie is all for that, and so it's it's just a joy. I tell him all the time. He's probably sick of hearing me say what, how much fun it is for me to play with him in the band.
1: (laughs) And then David, you know, of course, I mean, one of the, one of the such identifiable factors of your songs is your riffs. When it comes down to creating riffs, like, do you just kind of keep a bucket on your phone of riffs or how do they come to you?
4: You know, it's weird. Like, uh, Sometimes when I just pick the guitar up to, you know, fool around and play, I'll start to play and I'll come up with a riff like out of nowhere. And, and if I think it's if I think it's good, I'll just turn on my phone and I'll, and I'll put it on my phone, you know, and, and I'll say, well, maybe sometime in the future, you know, that riff will come in handy to use for the right particular song. So I have a number of different riffs and ideas and melodies and stuff that are recorded on my phone um with the idea and of course i have a, a a huge list of titles you know that are possible titles and um but the riffs are like just something that come to me it's like um the one song on the album that song called hell and high water um i think we were a practice and and freddie said i got a great title for a song and i go what is it and he goes hell or high water i go that is a great title." You know, I thought, I think I have that on my list anyways, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so I said, that's a great title. So I started playing this riff. Right then and there. And that ended up being like the riff that I used when I wrote that, that song. And we all I mean, started
2: jamming on it and it sounded heavy. Yeah.
4: Well, <laughs> and it just, it just started right there. I mean, perfect. And in, a, in, a, in like in a matter of minutes, you know, and it was just because of the title that he came up with. So, but me, David is me. the riff,
2: the riff meister though. He, I remember we're out on a golf course in Conklin, New York and he, and he signed me the riff for metal. will never die. And I was blown away. Such a cool freaking riff. You know, he just, he comes up with great riffs.
4: Well, thanks. But it's, it's easy for me to do that. And it's, I, I don't know if it's because I'm, um, I'm not a real schooled, real educated on the guitar player, you know, I mean, never took a lesson on a guitar, just kind of self-taught. I'm very limited to, you know, what I can play and what I do play is my style. And and, and I I think it's identifiable, but I am limited in certain ways. So um, the riffing, coming up with riffs, you know, for me, is just an easy thing, you know. And, um, you know, in the early days when, you know, when I played with, when I was playing with Ronnie, you know, basically I was, I was just a rhythm guitar player. You know, I didn't even play a lead. I couldn't even play a lead. And there was a lead guitar player in the band. So my, my job was basically in that band to be a rhythm guitar player, you know, and that's where all this riff, you know, things started, you know, because I played rhythm guitar, you know, I can't play a scale on the guitar, you know, if my life depended on it and even at a very slow speed, you know, I'm just not that. Uh, I've never really been into that. I enjoy listening to it. I really appreciate, you know, the people that can do that, you know, especially like when Eddie Van Halen came out and, and um, you know, and all these great players that were just like, oh, my God, he must have taken lessons. Um, but, uh, you know, nowadays that to me has become uh, more like in the, the younger people I think they look at that as a game, a challenge. You know, I think I can do that. I'm going to take a guitar or a bass or drums, and I'm going to do that, and they replicate it, you know, and, they, and it's a challenge for them to do that. Whereas, you know, back when I started, it was a, it was a whole different thing. So, um, yeah, riffs come easy, you know. They come easy. It's the concept of a song uh, and the message that is a little bit harder you know to, to come up with because you want to you want to be able to come up with something that fits the riff and also um, you know makes for the whole purpose of the whole song.
0: guys, what, what is the most important um, to, in your opinion, for each of you with your your particular instrument, what do you think is the most important thing to accomplish in a song? For me, it's easy. For me, it's the pulse.
2: It's the groove. It's the pulse. If you don't have that, then, you know, it's fuck all. You don't have anything, you know, if you don't have that groove and that pulse then the rest of the song languishes. So that's, that's the key piece for me. No matter how many grapefruit I'm pouring on the drums, (laughs) if that pulse isn't there, then it's, it doesn't work.
4: That's true. You know, I I believe that too, Uh, especially, you know, when you, you have to consider like live performance. Like some songs are great for live. Other songs are great, but they're not great for live. And um, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, especially being a three-piece band, you know, we're we're really limited. I mean, we could do a lot of stuff in the studio and make a great sounding song, but we could there's certain songs we could never reproduce live. I mean, we could we could do it but it wouldn't be doing the song justice because we wouldn't be able to do it as well as, as the recording, you know, you know, so, uh, it is important to have that beat, you know, that, that, that pulse and, um, and probably the best thing. And that, that all comes with, you know, that's part of playing a riff on a guitar too, you know, I mean, if you play a riff, that's too complicated, you know, it's not going to be something that's going to have a good pulse And it needs to be some, to me, you know, simplicity is a, is a key um, to like what our music is. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that are just like speed, everything is speed and everything's technical and it's really incredible playing and all that. But, you know um, you know, to be in the vein of like ZZ top ACDC and those bands, it's the pulse and it's the beat, you know, and it's the simple riff, you know, that, um, you know, like when you go into to a music store anywhere in the world and some little kid, you know, is at the, you know, at the guitar in the guitar store, you know, picking up a guitar, learning to play and he's playing smoke on the water, you know, and that's because <laughs> it's a simple, simple, you know, in fact. And memorable. Yeah. You know, I mean, so that that's what it boils down to. It's like we've been in music stores out of the country where there have been a sign up that says do not play smoke on the water or mm-hmm. there was it was some other one that was similar like that, something like that. But yeah, it's it's um, I think it's important to play something that an amateur can play because you know they can listen to the record and if they're just learning to play and they can play that part, you know, it's it's great for them to to think and to to know that they can they can actually play that part, you know. So, um, and they don't have anything to worry about with our records because they're all simple. I <laughs> <laughs> <The> think when <laughs> I use metal, metal will never arpeggio. die. You're not going to hear any arpeggios or any kind of fancy scale playing out of me. So everything <laughs> that, that I'm playing, they're going to be able to play. <laughs> well,
2: I was saying metal will never die before as an example. When, when he plays that rift, The only thing you can do is lock into a really solid pulse groove. Otherwise, you destroy the riff. So that's how I approach it from this drum standpoint. But I think that's why David and I have been the other 45 years. That and the fact that I'm an amazingly wonderful, easy to get along with person. and those are, those are probably his, I'm saying them, but they're probably what he would have said, but no, I yeah. think it's because musically we're really compatible. And uh, if I write something, he works really hard to execute my idea. And the same goes for me. I work really hard to execute and listen and understand what he's doing and try not to destroy it with too many grapefruit.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I can say I, I, have known Brett actually 42 years and uh, it's wow. been a challenge a good a total dick yeah i I just
1: the problem is is that i use the grapefruit to throw at him instead but
2: Uh they're good weapons for sure you know when i
1: produce when i produce headbagger
2: you know i did everything on that album i had guests come in friends plan the album but i realized that i was the biggest prick i'd ever worked with
1: (laughs) when you guys like you guys have some some live shows coming up in Australia next year, and which which sounds awesome because that is an amazing bill. I mean, Ross the boss and Anvil Bill with you guys, I mean, couldn't couldn't write it up much better. But it's a uh,
2: dream for us because they're all friends. So yeah.
1: yeah. But how do you guys choose a set list now based on forty five years? Uh,
4: yeah. Well, I've I've been working on uh, a set list, and um, you know, th- this last year we did some, you know regional dates, you know, not, we didn't go too far. I think the farthest we went was Chicago, but, you know, some of the shows were playing an hour, some were 40 minutes, some were 45, some are, you know, so you had to really take whatever set list we had and cut it or add to it or do whatever. But now um, for the set list for Australia, you know, I'm trying to cover all the bases because um, I want to have, you know, enough songs in there. Uh, and I'm speaking for the whole band, not just myself, but we want to have enough songs in there that people remember from the old days, you know, because like you said, you know, somebody might think, Oh, power lover, crank it up first album. We need to have, you know, a couple of those songs in there, but yeah, there's a lot of time between there and a lot of albums between that from between then and now that there are good songs. So we need to have a couple of those songs in there. Um, there's a song, there's one particular song that, not even a Rod song, it's a song from a solo album I did that we do live all the time that Carl refuses to take out of the set. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he loves the song. But it is it is a great song, and the, and the crowd always loves it and everything. Um, but it's not really a Rod song, but we have, we'll probably have to do that song. Because um, I know, I think we're playing an hour or more, in Australia. And, um, and then we need to play two to three songs from this new album. Um, and I think the mistake that a lot of bands make that have been around a long time and they got a new album, they go out and they play a lot of music from the new album, the new album, you know, that's not, I don't think what the crowd wants to hear. They, they're coming to see you because they've known you, you know, for the last 20 or 30 years And they want to hear their favorite song that you recorded on an album 30 years ago. So there's a lot of bases to cover, you know? Um, And I, 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 I have a set list, you know, roughed out to show to Carl and (laughs) Freddie. And then what we do is we play through that and we see if it works live and, and um, you know, how, how it goes because the set has to start strong and it has to finish strong, but it has to, you know, not, be too many lulls in between. Of course, Carl does a drum solo every time, and, and that's somewhere around the middle of the set. So it has to be taken into consideration, you know, like not making him work too hard uh, before the drum solo, <laughs> you know, because well, you pick know, it up after uh, the lull of the drum solo, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. So you got to you got to make sure he's not working too hard on the song before the drum solo, and then after the drum solo as well, you know. So. Um, you know there's a lot lot to consider uh, to make the set work really well with a crowd uh there's there's one song that we you know i do a little back and forth with the crowd talking um i do some talking in between songs just to give give the give everybody a little break and maybe you have to tune retune or do something you know but i don't i try not to talk too much and i won't probably be talking too much because there's going to be a lot of songs that we're going to want to do um, to fill in that hour, you know? Well, so do, they sp- do they speak English in
1: Australia? Uh, a variation of it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> a
1: variation of it.
4: Yeah. So,
0: yeah.
4: I was wondering oh. how many
0: grapefruits Carl brings on the road. Huh? Pardon me? I was wondering how many grapefruits you bring on the road. <laughs> oh.
2: Oh, I have to trip? wing it on the road because we, yeah, we can't bring enough grapefruit,
3: so
2: <laughs> yeah. I just have to kind of try to do my best.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have to change the fruit depending on the locale? <laughs> yeah.
2: you well, want like for, for to a be- ballot for a ballot, it would be like a case of limes. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> or for you, sometimes coconuts. Coconuts, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you guys have being awesome. I think you guys. You you've been awesome this interview. You you've been hell. You've been awesome for forty five years, <laughs> and you're still awesome. New album is awesome. Can't wait to hear the album after that. You're already working on. So I bet you're going to continue that momentum, and it's going to be awesome. And I just I've really enjoyed this. I really appreciate just- your time.
4: Just, Thanks uh, for the know, kind words. We appreciate speak that. Speak for all of us. I really think, you know, appreciate the fact that you don't want to talk to us. So, you know, we we'll really appreciate it. You know, well, we're hey, happy to
1: talk. You know? I got my, I got my rods right here on vinyl. So. A live owl. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, always,
2: thank you uh, guys. All right. Always good. And,
1: well, and hopefully please. we will get to
2: Canada. Remember we had a gig booked in Canada. I don't know if you were aware of that. No. And that actually. festival felt that festival fell through in the summer. We we're very excited about it, and the promoter didn't really have it together. And Anvil was on that bill as well, mm. and uh, and so we were uh, very excited to come to Canada. But hopefully, we will soon.
1: Yeah, if you and Anvil could uh, could do a cross Canada tour, I would uh, love that.
2: Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. Yeah, we love those guys. I'd love to do a tour with them.
1: Well, before you do go though, uh, please tell everybody how they can keep up with you and where they can find the new album when it comes out
2: therods.com and of course the what is it official rods the rods fan page the official rods fan page on facebook and you can find david rock feinstein on facebook and you can find carl kennedy on facebook and you can find freddie villano on facebook but uh, therods.com good place to start Uh, and of course massacre records is a good place to start, but you'll find other albums there. So we don't want that. So go to the
1: rods.com. <laughs> that, that's right. That's yeah. January 19th, the 19th, 19th of
2: January, yes. January 19th, 19th. Yeah. And, the cage. and I want He's you, off. I want you going forward. I want you boys to behave. You've been doing well all these years. Continue that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> we, Santa. Yeah, yes, we will do our best. <laughs> But um, you, you guys are, like Button said, you guys are awesome, and we love you, and we will continue to support you. Um, you know, as long as you keep making great music. So thank you so much, and we wish you nothing but the best in the future. Well, and thank you, very, very, thank
2: you very much. Really, yeah, thank you guys. Have a great yeah. new
1: year. Thanks. Yeah. you too, and we look forward yeah. to talking to you again. Okay. Bye bye. Right, thank you. Bye for Bye-bye. now.